0: This is an ABC podcast. So, Norman, welcome back. After a month off, you must be well-rested and you'll be pleased to know that everything's completely fine and normal when it comes to COVID in Australia.
1: That's right. We've completely contradicted the usual thing with chronocast that it gets worse when we go away, not... (laughs) <laughs> Can't afford to take a holiday.
0: Yeah, it's been a it's been a winter. Whether it's a winter driven thing or not, I guess we'll have to find out when we do this episode of Coronacast, a show all about the coronavirus. I'm health reporter Tegan Taylor.
1: And I'm physician and journalist Dr. Norman Swan. It's Wednesday, the twentieth of July, twenty twenty-two.
0: We have had a month off Norman. You've been traveling around the continent, the European continent that is. So you've been off. We've we've all been sort of dealing with various viruses. I assume that your trip was completely illness-free. But we thought this was a good opportunity to sort of reset on what we know about the newest variants of coronavirus that we're, that we're really grappling with at the moment, this BA4 and 5.
1: Well, the first thing I'll say is that I actually caught CoronaCast. Did I catch CoronaCast? Corona I actually caught COVID-19 for the second time when I was away um, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, which wasn't too bad, but uh, nonetheless a bit disturbing to be getting it a second time, even though I've had a fourth dose.
0: So your proof personal that reinfection can happen quite quite shortly after your initial infection.
1: Yeah, it was uh, Easter, was the last time I had it. Look, this is still not a seasonal virus. We've tended to think that this is a winter problem in Australia, but it's happening all over the world. And it's BA4 and 5, behaving like the six-monthly variant that we've kind of led, been led to expect with this virus and here we are with another wave occurring around the world and it's a wave of of subvariants in this case which are quite significantly um, immune and vaccine evasive.
0: So what do you mean by six monthly variant? You're sort of saying each six months so far we've seen a a big enough shift in the virus that our immunity that we've got either through being infected or the vaccines is it's not enough to protect against this newer, newer strain.
1: Well, that's right. In the early days, there was very little immunity around and the variants emerged just as a a result of vast multiplication in the community and a new one spun off. But the uh, which was partly due to immunevasion, but you had alpha, you got Delta and Omicron, and now you've got b a four and five. it's not it's not clockwork, but it is happening with monotonous and worrying regularity, to the extent that some immunologists are saying that they're worried about this because it's not behaving the way they expected a virus to behave.
0: Okay, <laughs> that's worrying. So what if can we talk about the immune side of things, what's happening? in the immune system when it's encountering this virus and how are our vaccines still effective at all if it's that immune evasive given that they're based on the original ancestral strain?
1: Let me just start with the pattern that's worrying immunologists. It's just that there seems to be a reset almost every few months where we are vulnerable all over again. And what they were expecting was a cumulative immunity, which made infection a bit less likely and indeed illness a bit less likely. And what's happening is that the vaccines, and this is really important, particularly in light of what I'm about to say, is that vaccines are roughly holding the line when it comes to severe disease and the chances of dying. In other words, they're still pretty good at protecting that, particularly if you get your third and fourth shots. So that's, that's absolutely stock standard. What's happening, though, is that the complication rate is not changing as a result of vaccination. So we're still as vulnerable to complications. Let me give you an example of that, which I had on the health report this week. Professor Chris Goodenow of the Garvin Institute a leading immunologist, ironically is recovering from heart failure due to myocarditis from an episode of COVID-19, which he had despite four immunizations. We are talking about a complication that's not acute, that sends you into hospital with needing to be uh, ventilated. We're talking about something that follows the infection, sometimes quite soon after. And in his case, it was myocarditis. And he's looked at the data here, and the data show... That your risk is pretty much the same each time you get reinfected, but it accumulates. So it starts off, you've got a two, there's a, you know, 2% of people who get infected first time around get myocarditis and sometimes quite seriously, like he's had. Then second time around, it's 2% again. So that's 4% of people who accumulate with heart problems. Then that adds on the next time. And it seems to be the same with pulmonary problems, clotting problems and other problems. And there, we are not influencing that by vaccination. So you still get your vaccination to prevent yourself from dying and getting severe disease, but the complication rate is not changing. And that means that, we cannot at the moment rely on vaccines to protect us entirely against this virus. And what they were expecting was that the combination of vaccines and reinfection would do that, but it's
0: not. OK, this is, what's the moral of the story here? That...
1: The moral of the story here is you've got to have both masks and vaccines and ventilation. In other words, the to you've got to have the full gamut of protection here, and you can't rely on the vaccine alone. Politicians tend to re- talk about the vaccine because that keeps people out of hospital with severe disease, and that is absolutely true. But if you you want to avoid this accumulation of people who've got heart disease and other problems in the community, you've actually got to slow down the virus and get fewer people infected. And at the moment, the way to do that is masks and ventilation, HEPA filters and so on until they come up with a vaccine that actually goes back to where we were a year or so ago, which was vaccines protecting us against infection. in other words, getting the infection in the first place, which is what they don't do anymore because the virus has evaded the immune system.
0: Okay, so that's bleak. We're still telling people to get vaccinated, but I mean, to come back to sort of the question at the beginning, what's our prognosis, Doc? Like, what, what should we be expecting over the next couple of months, especially, I know you said it's not seasonal, but over this winter where people are really feeling it hard, what should we be expecting? What should we be trying to do?
1: Well, we should expect this wave to continue for a while until we build up some resistance and enough people have become infected that this will eventually... Peak and settle down again, like other peaks have. But we should probably expect another peak towards the end of this year. For some reason, there's this six-month cycle to it. It may not, it may or may not. And we've just got to hope that the next variant of the virus is not any more serious. Because if you've got the combination of immune evasion and virulence, that's what you've got to worry about. And what the immunologists are getting nervous about is whether or not the virus is sufficiently immune evasive that it will start to evade the protection against severe disease, which it is a little bit at the moment, but not very much.
0: Before we get on to talking about vaccines in more detail, which we are about to do, can I just pick you up on some of what you're saying about it's it's mutating, it's mutating every six months. It's got to have a limit. It's not like a magical transformer. <laughs> at some stage, it's going to have to reach a limit, right?
1: I asked Professor Goodner that question and he said, if you look at the common cold virus, in other words, the cousins of SARS, in other words, other coronaviruses, they just keep on doing it. They just keep on coming back for more. So that's what's worrying them is that this coronavirus will 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 do the same thing, except that it's far more toxic than a common cold virus.
0: Right. And it's not that it's becoming more powerful to, to varying degree. It's just that it's becoming less and less like what we're vaccinating against. And so the immune response that we've generated to the vaccine isn't effective against a, an unfamiliar-looking virus.
1: That's right. And then what they've got to do is try to develop a vaccine that actually can get around all that.
0: Well, let's talk about vaccines. We've been, we've heard in the last week or so that people can now get a fourth dose if they want. It is of the same vaccine that's based on the Wuhan strain. Why is there value in people going out and getting their fourth dose, as I did on Friday?
1: Well, the answer is that after a while, the um, immune response does wane with these vaccines, which is another thing that's been disappointing for the immunologists. And you want to top up your protection against severe disease. People are also asking, should I wait until the Omicron variant vaccine is released and wait for my fourth dose for that? And there's a difficult question to answer, but probably not, given that we've got BA4 and 5 right now. And also, the uh, variant vaccine is to an earlier form of Omicron, which BA4 and 5 also evade. So you might as well take what you can get now and then work out what we do in 2023.
0: Right. So at the moment, even if you're getting the same vaccine again, you're topping up an immunity that is still protecting you against dying and against getting really severe disease. But what we're also hearing is that if you can possibly avoid catching it at all, you should. And that's where masks and ventilation come in.
1: Yeah. And so when government comes in, should they mandate masks, which is a difficult question and the feeling at government level was that they would have too much backlash from that. But you have got a problem with super spreading environments, such as bars, restaurants, which are stuffy and poorly ventilated. We're supporting people with COVID-19 payments. Should we support restaurants and bars to actually upscale their ventilation, maybe putting in HEPA filters and so on? In other words, should we really acutely deal with the ventilation problem so that we can reduce the risk? more generally, as well as using masks. Because the economic problem is, do we shut down bars again? Well, at the moment, no. But if the next variant to emerge is actually much more dangerous, then there'll be a temptation to do that. And we've missed an opportunity to make those environments much safer.
0: So with fourth doses, Norman, we're getting a couple of questions around the timing of it. Philip has written in saying can you get the second booster, i.e. your fourth dose, 28 days after having COVID in line with the information that reinfection can occur after 28 days? Or is it still best to wait the three months? And if so, why is it better to wait?
1: Okay. So people are getting confused between the uh, principal health committee's pronouncement and rather than advice, which is that the public health orders relating to reinfection now move from three months to 28 days. In other words, the risk of reinfection is so high that if you are test positive after 28 days, you are considered to have had a, a reinfection and therefore you've got to go through the whole isolation process all over again. That is a very different situation from the ATAGI advice about the gap between, um, between doses or after you've had an infection. And I'm not really in a position or we're not in a position to contradict or say much about that advice. There's not a lot of science behind it but it really is all about your immune system being in pretty good shape when you actually have your next dose but that's a different issue from the public health orders related to reinfection and isolation which is what the principal health committee was talking about
0: and a question from James who says missing you Tegan and Norman James has had one, has had two AstraZeneca and one Moderna and is wondering which brand he should get for his fourth dose
1: um, Pfizer or Moderna for your for your next dose. It really doesn't matter. There's a little bit of evidence that Moderna is better as a repeat dose, but um, one or the other will be fine.
0: Well, I'm sure that everyone who's written into to us asking when CoronaCast was coming back is happy to have such a rosy and sunshine-filled return from us. Always
1: happy to be cheery. You know, it's a Scottish thing.
0: Well, that's all we've got time for for this episode. Tune in again next Wednesday. Yes, we're back weekly. And in the meantime, send your questions in by going to abc.net.au slash coronacast. So we'll see you then. See you then.